This is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the inside track on Liverpool FC's next opponents. Almost five months on from beating Tottenham 2-0 in Madrid to lift number six, Liverpool welcomed Spurs to Anfield this afternoon. Two sides who since that night under the Spanish stars have very much headed down different paths. I'm Guy Clark and this is the Behind Enemy Lines podcast here on Blood Red. And our offering today, of course, centres around this afternoon's action at Anfield. Maurizio Pochettino's Tottenham, with just three wins from their opening nine Premier League games, make their journey north with both sides having recorded midweek wins in the Champions League. Well, coming up, we'll explore why things have fallen away for Spurs, how Pochettino will look to get them back on their path to success, and why their record at Anfield is so dreadful. Well, joining me to do all of that and more is the voice of the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Paul Coit. Paul, thanks for your time. And uh, well, this season hasn't quite gone to plan for Spurs so far, has it? No, it re- yeah, hasn't really, to be honest with you. You know, we... we- thought we'd hit the ground running at the end of uh, last season of course with uh, with Madrid I, I can never remember who we did play in that finally <laughs> I know get a little lost there but um uh, yeah it's just been, it's just been a bad start you know it's, I think there's a lot of Spurs fans still trying to put the finger on exactly what the problem's been and actually hopeful that it's going to come to an end and I suppose ever since the final whistle blew in Madrid, the two sides have been sort of on different paths. Spurs through the summer trying to keep hold of the best players, whilst yeah. Liverpool fans really demanding that the club spend big but deciding not to because they're happy with the strength they've got. Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one. I don't, I don't know whether it's completely trying to hold on to the best players because I think it's only one we're probably um, talking about, which is Christian Eriksen. So he comes to the end of his contract at the end of this season. So it's the question. And he'd said that he'd wanted to play abroad. So I don't think we'd see him playing for another club in this country. Whereas there's other players that were probably surplus to requirements that looked like they were going to be sold, but for whatever reason, haven't gone, whether it had been the right money had come in, whether the right offers had come in for them. So it's, you know, we haven't moved a lot. You know, we've taken on Ryan Sessegnon, who's been injured. Uh, Giovanni Lascelles, who's also been injured as well, and uh, and Tongi and Dombley, who's the, who's the only one of the three that's been that's actually had regular playing time. So there's been a, it's been a few different things to LSU guy, and it's 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 difficult to put our finger on exactly why it hasn't kicked off. But um, I don't know, it's, it's, it just hasn't really started well. And I suppose that summer, especially off the back of what a great time it was for Spurs with the new stadium coming around, reaching the Champions League final, it looked yep. as though that stage had really been set to having established yourselves as a top four side over the last five years or so to now become one of the challengers. I think everyone pre-season had Spurs nailed down for third place, but it, it, as you say, it's just not pieced together in that way so far. Yeah, I mean, it's fair to say there was... Um... There's been moments where you think, okay, that's it, they're back. But there's also been some worrying times. For example, I think Brighton was probably the low for us, sort of losing through three nil away at Brighton, which was on the back of what happened with Bayern Munich. Yeah, I mean, it was a it was a Bayern Munich drubbing the seven two, which was not very nice to see. But the, you know, there was still when I think of how it was up to half time was good and everything was fine, but they were just so lethal. And then we collapsed right towards the end. So I'm happy to let that one sort of just, just <laughs> maybe just sweep that under the carpet and move on. But Brighton was the one that wasn't good. Um, it's, it, I, I, I think it's going to turn. Um, obviously for Anfield, this is where things are going to turn around. So all I can say is be very worried because we're angry, we're upset. 
and we're ready to turn things around now. And in terms of Tottenham Hotspur, and I suppose yeah. the profile of the club with the new stadium coming around, for yeah. certain fans that aren't millennials who haven't grown up through the social media generation, Tottenham Hotspur haven't always been in Europe, but 13 of the last 14 years you have been, and now yeah. very much one of, I suppose, the established elite Premier League sides. Yeah, I, d- I don't think anybody would argue. I think even, I suppose, biggest critics wouldn't argue that we're one of the elite sides. There's, there's no question about that. And um, and regular Champions League as well. Um, yeah, I mean, there was a time. I've, I've, I've been at the club for 15 years now, so I'm at Talk Sport, but, but 15 years at Spurs, and this is doing half-times and sort of working with all the old players. And when I went in, I mean, we were we were awful, you know, but there was always that Spurs. We'd always have that thing. We'd always have a, a couple of great players. There'd always be one or two real fantastic game changers, really brilliant players. But we just didn't have the strength in depth. There wasn't a full side. There was also some bad ones that would go with that. And we were, you know, we were mid-table. That was the way things were going. And we'd often hope for a good cup run, uh, which hadn't happened for a while either. So that's the difference. I mean, there's been a, it's probably, it's fair to say since Daniel Levy's come in and, uh, you know, he, he has his critics, but the way the club has changed since then, you know, we look at Martin Yole being manager and then that, that, that put us a step up. That seemed to be working. Then there was a little step back. Um, then we've had other man- managers. It was, um, uh, and, but that have actually taken a lot of further, like the Harry Redknapp era as well. Then that pushed us up. Then we started playing in Champions League. Then there was a little step back um, when Andre Villas Boas was was in charge. Now Pochettino. Then we started making more steps up. So now we've got to make sure that this bit is not the stage where we have that little step back. Hopefully this is just going to be a blip and everything's going to move on. Because, I mean, he's a he's a fantastic manager. He certainly, you know, nobody would want him to go. Yeah, it sounds crazy that I'm, I'm going to sort of use this word, but patience is a, a word in modern day football that isn't very much in, in supply at all, very short supply, in Absolutely. fact. But I, I don't even want to say, does Pochettino deserve patience? Because the job he's done there at Tottenham Hotspur, as you say, sort of transforming the side off the field as well as on the field, going about the work in which he has yeah. done has allowed the side off the field to really sort of step up Tottenham Hotspur, the facilities and everything around it as well. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's where the parallel of Liverpool is with Jurgen Klopp. And it's a it's a club that seems very much in his own image at the moment and changed everything, the way he has the club run, the way he deals with people. He's a very much a people person. Um, speaks to everybody the same and he's he really is a terrific fella and it just needs I think he said over the last six months or so that now this players he needs to change there needs to be uh, a little a certain turnover some players that don't want to be there need to go uh, there need to be new players brought in so whether we're going to see this in January I don't know the new stadium's there everything's ready to go but we just need that little bit extra now which is going to move us on I think and before we move on, you mentioned your role at Tottenham Hotspur, doing the, yeah. the half-time role and everything. You've had three different stadiums to work at over the course of the last two and a half years or so. How is the new one? I have to say, I myself have never been, but you see the pictures and it, it looks yeah. absolutely incredible. It is. I mean, it's it's incredible. It's, it's so different from now we can look at how White Hart Lane was and, and how the new stadium is. The atmosphere, there, I think there was worries how the atmosphere would be. But my goodness, I mean, the, the Champions League game just the other day um, was, I mean, it was it was remarkable. I mean, it it really was. It was Red Star Belgrade. And 
especially off the back of the couple of results that we'd had recently. I mean, it really did. It just felt like the IX game last year. The noise is incredible. The the it's what what's really great about the new stadium is that it's very close. It's built as a football stadium, so it's built so all the stands are very very close to the pitch. So it's not one of these stadiums that's built way back. And it, of course, it's multi-purpose because it's built for NFL as well. But that transforms. So the pitch goes out, and then the NFL pitch comes in. There's different bleachers that will move out and move in. But the actual uh, playing, the way it is uh, up to the playing surface, is just unbelievable. Very noisy. And uh, yeah, it's, it is an incredible place. It really is. We'll focus on the action then on the field for the for the time being then, Paul. And yep. this season, four wins from 13. And I suppose, obviously, heading up to Anfield away from home, things haven't quite gone to plan. We mentioned before that things generally haven't gone to plan, but away from home, that certainly seems to ring true. So what you're, you're, the question is, am I scared? Is that what the question <laughs> is? That, that's what you're trying to get to. How petrified am I on a sliding scale? Um, you, you know what? The games have, the games have, have been pretty close, I think, with, um, with Liverpool. And I, I like to think there's a newfound respect between the two. I think we remember when we went out to Madrid. I um, thought there'd be a little animosity between fans because there's been a few, there's been a bit of needle between fans between games that have gone on recently uh, with certain shouts for penalties that were given and weren't given and what have you. But I've got to say, I mean, I was really impressed. Everybody got on really well. And I think that was one of my favourite parts about being out in Madrid is how well the fans got on. Everybody mixed. Uh, I remember speaking to so many Liverpool fans in it and we had a fantastic time. So, so that side is very good. It's just the football side. The thing is, I think probably even um, Liverpool fans would agree with Spurs. You never know exactly what you're going to get. It's not quite the old team from those that we were talking about earlier and Roy Keane had spoken about that would just roll over and you'd know it's only Spurs. There, there is a new steel that goes through the club. So you know what? I'm quietly confident we're going to keep it down to 5-0. So if we can keep it down... <laughs> no, I think, you know, I think it'll be an interesting game. I'm, I'm not going to make any predictions or, you know, the, yes, there's a few worried Spurs fans because, you know, I, I'll be honest, your, your team is on fire at the moment and I truly believe uh, we'll win the Premier League this year. But uh, we're going to give you a game. And you're coming in, off, obviously, off the back of the, the 5-0 win in the Champions League midweek, but the away form yep. in, in the Premier League, I think, actually, since the end of January, the only away wins for Spurs have been Dortmund and Ajax, of course, on, on the way to Madrid. The away form seems to really be something that, I, I suppose, a number of people can't really put their finger on. Yeah, thanks for reminding me on that. I appreciate <laughs> that. So, uh, it's yeah, it has been bad. It's been really bad. But there's, there's a thing, um, I, I don't know whether you're aware of that, uh, they're they're up in Liverpool about things being Spursy. There's this phrase yeah. that that is Spursy. You know, if anything is possible to go wrong, it will. As far as Spurs are concerned, so they call it a Spursy thing. Which I and mean, you know what, perfect Spursy thing. Handball in the first 25 minutes of the Champions League. That's Spursy. You know, we think with this great big build up, please don't let us concede early. That was the big worry that we had. Mustn't concede early. Handball, whether you think it was handball or not, but. It was um, it was given. That was a Spursy thing. So also, Spursy works in reverse as well. So just when you least expect it, just when you least expect Spurs to pull something out of the bag, they do that as well. So I'm always hopeful that that reverse Spursy is going to come into play on Sunday. Behind enemy lines on the Blood Red Channel. I suppose this season you you have of course already had a, a game up against one of the, the obviously the Premier League champions Man City away from home and 
Yeah. I know a lot of people looked on the game as, oh, that was a game Manchester City probably should have won. But True. Spurs did show a lot of character in that, fell behind twice and, and got themselves back into the game to make sure that even if they perhaps didn't deserve it, took a point back to North London. Yeah, I think so. And, and, it, and it certainly wasn't going out to just think, OK, we'll just get a descend and just keep this away because that really isn't the Tottenham way. Um, so I wouldn't expect that. I certainly wouldn't expect to see that. Um, it's possible. There is. That's the thing. We're just unsure about how things are going to go on the day. Sometimes, you know, we used to say that years ago, you just don't know what Tottenham side are going to turn up. There's, we used to see teams and you think, oh, they don't fancy it today. And you could tell it straight away. And also it works. You can tell pretty much in the first five minutes um, what Spurs team are going to turn up. And I, I really do not expect to see that old Spurs that could roll over and die. Um, I, I think they're definitely going to be up for it um, without doubt. So we'll see. We'll see. And defensively, it looks as though things are changing at Spurs as well at the moment. Obviously, Hugo Lloris out with that awful injury yep. picked up at Brighton and Hove Albion. But a few seasons ago, you, you'd think of Tottenham and immediately you'd think Vertonghen and Alderweireld at the heart of the defence. But now, obviously, Davidson Sanchez is there. Musa Sissoko's been playing at right back a fair bit as yep. well. It, it does seem to be that that defensive unit's changing up somewhat. Yeah, it is because um, Toby Alderweireld, I mean, just one of the finest defenders I've seen, and also uh, Yamatonga as well. I think they they would admit they they haven't um, made the greatest start um, to life in the new season anyway. And 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 Toby, I thought, you know, it's that slight worry of of losing that yard of pace. And um, I, I believe there are three certain players that might be really running at them on Sunday. So we'll we'll see. Davinson Sanchez, um, I don't think has reached his peak yet as a player. I think he's a very good player and. From before he signed, I spoke to people at Ajax that just said, you know, this kid is unbelievable. Um, he's good. He can certainly get better. I think he's one of those players that is comfortable playing alongside uh, Vertonghen and Alderweireld. It reminds me of uh, sort of young Michael Dawson when he used to play alongside Ledley King, who then came into his own because, you know, he would often talk to him throughout the game. So, um, yeah, the defence, again, great, talented defence. Whether they're the best they could possibly be at that moment, I don't know. But, but again, we'll we'll see. And Pochettino, through his time in England, whether that be at Southampton or Spurs, has always sort of relied on domestic players and players who sort of get the clubs that they're playing for. But I remember listening to an interview with Vertonghen after the Bayern Munich game and you, you could just sense the real hurt that he had and the disappointment yeah. for the fans. He does seem to be one of the players that Spurs do have who have come into the, the British game from abroad, who, who really does understand the fabric now of the club. He must have been there seven years or so, I suppose. Yeah, I was just trying to work out how long he's been there, just saying that. I think he's he must be, I think next to Danny Rose, he's got to be uh, one of the longest-serving players at Spurs now. So he gets it. He understands it. Um, you know, and they're all, they're a decent bunch. They really are a decent bunch. They're not these sort of, not that you see probably quite so much of that, um, nowadays, but that that money grabbing football is just going to be a bit mercenary. I mean, he he feels it and knows it, and 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 they understood everything and 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 felt it as bad as the fans did the uh, result against Bayern Munich. So um, no, he's he's a good footballer, and and he's probably I think he's looking at the end of his uh, the deal whether he's going to be sticking around at the end of the season where he's going to be once he moved on. But you know, these are players that are also playing for their futures as well. And I suppose looking on the positives for Spurs this season. And Dombele's come in from Lyon, seems to have acclimatised quite well. And, and Son continues to provide that extra option in attack alongside Harry Kane. Yeah, Hugh Son is just so important to the club. And he's such a 
terrific player. He came in and he's just got better and better every year. He's been our player of the season last year. And also one of the most <laughs> decent fellas, your nicest men you will ever meet. And uh, just lethal on a football pitch. So, so important to us. I mean, that's it. You can't not be nervous when you're playing against Harry Kane, arguably the, you know, the best striker in Europe. Maybe you will argue with that. And, uh, and Jung Min Son firing at you. So, um, you know, it's not going to be quite as easy as some people think it might be, I think. But then again, this did say that last week too. Yeah, but definitely looking back, I remember the game at Anfield last season, the 2-1 win for for Liverpool, but it it seemed a very nervy occasion that afternoon at Anfield and will always stick in my mind Musa Sissoko as he galloped down towards the Anfield road end and had that opportunity and what could have been there? You know what, it's... Bless him. Another terrific player who's who's really been through it. I mean, when he came into Spurs, just couldn't. It just wasn't working at all. So many fans on his back. We kept on, kept on. Pochettino kept faith with him. There were, there were supporters that were just saying, how can this guy get in this team? And proved everybody wrong. Fantastic. It's just the shooting boots. That's just what we need to give him, though. He's a pair of shooting boots. Once he's got those, then he'll be fine. But, um, yeah, of all the people that could have fell to that, that day. So we still think about that. I think he does as well. Yeah, he seems to be one of those players who's sort of grown a bit of a, a cult following, I suppose, amongst Spurs fans, where the rest of the Premier League probably don't take much notice to him. But playing midfield, playing out on the wing, or like I said before, at fullback at times in the last sort of six months or so, he does seem yeah. now to have really sort of won over the fans. And I suppose that's through that old fashioned grit and running around a lot. Yeah, that is it. I mean, every football club will have that. Those players, those, you know, that give 100%, that always, you know, they will turn up and they'll give everything. And already, you know, you win over fans because I think it's skill, talent, you know, that bit of magic is one thing. But fans always love a player that they know is going to go out and run through brick walls for them. And, and, and Sissoko is that for us, without a doubt. And just before we sort of uh, wrap this up, Paul, I was looking yep. at the, the stats of Spurs visiting Anfield. And off the top of my head... Do, do you really... have to do this one as well? <laughs> I was going to mention say... the 72 years from 1912. That was a long run. That was a long running one. I was, I was going to say, Premier League era, two wins at Anfield, and one of them sort of a right at the end of season in, in 2011, the last win there. It, yep. it isn't a happy hunting ground for Spurs. No, we're just wondering whether we can play it somewhere else. Can we go and play it in the middle of Stanley Park or somewhere, just move it, just maybe away from the ground? Um, you know, what's really interesting is I, I've spoken to a lot of old players about this, that there was that hoodoo and it ran, you know, we always said it, it was because it was the year that the Titanic sank. And then it went right the way up to the 84-85 season uh, when Garth Crooks uh, managed to score a couple of goals. And I was trying to old players and I just said, look, did it? Did you walk around? You knew when you just thought, you know, we just whenever we go up here, we never get anything. And and funny enough, Pat Jennings, I was talking to you just a couple of days ago, you know, one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time. He saved two penalties at Anfield and we still didn't win. So sometimes you think, you know, it's just never going to happen. Well, then it did turn around and then we did start winning. So um, all I can say is watch out because the run's going to start again. Start. We've got a good feeling about it. And it, it does seem bizarre because even if you think back to the game at Wembley in I think it was November 2017, wasn't it? The 4-1 win for Spurs. That sort of yeah. seemed to be the nadir for the defensive problems at Liverpool from which Van Dijk arrived the next January and things began yes. to move around. And it does seem that these two clubs, especially over the last sort of 
five or six years have been quite linked together in sort of how they've gone about it. And you said before, the two managers sort of creating teams now in their own image. Yeah, yeah I think so. Um, I think that was that was the Lovren game, wasn't it, where Harry Kane, we just, just ran at him. Um, yeah, and the thing is, I think that's what we look at Liverpool at and just think, you know, what I think a lot of fans from other clubs look at and just think, and, and with with Klopp and think, this is what we need, right? I need this sort of player. This is what I need now because people used to talk about the Liverpool defence, right? We need to shore that up. That's done. And everything seems to run as in, I know what I need. I know what I need to buy. I know what we need to do to move on. And everybody's really impressed by that. I know it's been a long time since the Premier League or the league title's been Liverpool's, but um, I think it looks like, unless... Spurs give you a little wobble at the weekend. I, I think, uh, you know, it's it's down to you. I, I really do. And just lastly, you sort of allude to it there, but I know Liverpool have spent money to, to sort of catch up with Manchester City, but spending big on three players in Alisson, Van Dijk and Fabinho, really sorting out that defensive core of the team. It does sort of show that for a side that are knocking on the door, that door can be opened, I suppose. And Spurs obviously bought Ndombele, and you alluded to before that Pochettino perhaps is looking to bring in new players and sort of bring in a new age at, at Tottenham yeah. Hotspur. And I suppose Liverpool do offer maybe perhaps that that idea of how sides can compete against Man City. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, you look at Liverpool, do the business early, uh, identify what's needed, buy the right player, buy them early, get them involved in the team because I don't think when I look at Liverpool recent signings what I can't think of one that just it's just not worked and it's like well you know what you had to take the gamble and that player hasn't worked because everyone seems to fit and play uh, and and so much is you know he's Jurgen Klopp I know how much he's loved up there I know uh, Phil Neal really well and I know Alan Kennedy and, and I spoke to David Fairclough recently some real old legends of the club that just speaks so highly of Klopp and these are the guys that worked under Paisley you know they they they've worked under the old boot room and uh, they've had the great success there and they see that again so um, so more power to him for that well Paul thanks a lot for your time I'd have to say I hope that this afternoon's game isn't too painful for you but of course <laughs> yeah, I'd be yeah. lying or, or for you as well. I hope it's not too painful. <laughs> we'll take a five-all draw, shall we? We'll agree on that one. Yeah, we can shake hands <laughs> on that one, yeah. OK, good stuff. But Paul, thanks a lot for your time. Really appreciate it. Pleasure. Paul Coit here with us on the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on Blood Red. Well, we'll be back after the game with the post-game pod, bringing you all the reaction you need from Anfield. That's all for now, though, but hope to catch you soon. You've been listening to the Behind Enemy Lines podcast on the Blood Red channel.